and welcome to series two of my podcast, Innovation, where we get to hear stories and experiences of incredible women in science and technology. Not only will you get insights into some fascinating innovations, but you may also even relate to their stories, especially if you're a little unconventional or non-conforming. As with all science and technology, what these women do have a real impact on all of our lives, whether we realise it or not. But here on Innovation, I'm also giving women, diverse women, a platform for them to be heard and for us to be inspired and uplifted by what they've learned along their life's journeys. This week, I talked to Mimi Luwosu. Hello, my name is Mimi Mosu and I'm a civil engineer working on high profile building projects in central London. Wow, Mimi, it is so awesome to meet you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I want to know what a lady like you is doing on construction sites. Um, I've always been quite practical. Um, I'd like to see how processes were done. So um, I've always been really interested in building processes. Well, since I got to university anyway, I'm really interested in how, how things were built together and um, the quality processes behind it, the health and safety and managing people. And I knew that being in construction will allow me to work on all of those skills and see all of those things in actions. And I just love seeing projects from start to finish. I love central London because of the juxtaposition between the old and the new. And I knew that I wanted to contribute to our wonderful skyline. So what is your official kind of title? Are you a civil engineer? Um, Yes. So within my role, I'm a civil engineer. Um, which means that I manage a number of packages on our site. So what does that exactly mean? So um, in order to build projects, you have to have a number of trades on site. So whether that be um, the steel work, the brick work, even from the finishing. So I actually work on the finishing side of works. So that will be our carpets, our raised flooring, um, putting in uh, skirting boards, windows, et cetera, et cetera. And also it's something really important, actually, passive fire protection. Um, So I just make sure that the people on site know exactly what they're doing, know their duties in line with um, our specification and their agreements with us. Um, They're doing things to good quality, health and safety practices in place, also managing time and budget. Does that mean you're managing lots of guys? Because I'm assuming what you do is very (coughs) male um, dominated. Yeah, so um, I, I manage lots of men on site, which actually feels quite good. So I can I kind of go to site and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a woman. I'm also black. I'm also all of these different things that people may have preconceptions of me. But I know what I'm doing, which is really important. Um, I've got really good support on site and the men actually really enjoy working with me. So every day doesn't necessarily feel like a working day. We're also working as well as laughing most of the day, which is quite nice. Um, so tell me how it all began for you. Like as a little girl, did you think that this is what you were going to end up doing? No, actually. So growing up, I always wanted to be a doctor. Um, that was my my brickwork. I thought it was embedded into my DNA. I watched all the Holby City. I watched ER. I watched all of those programs. And I thought this is going to be the career for me. Um, so I went to university, um, not university. I did my A-levels in biology, chemistry, um, psychology and religious studies to prep myself for medicine. However, unfortunately, on results day, it didn't actually go that way. Um, so I decided to study another science degree um, at university. Um, I think a couple of months in, I realised that this is not the degree for me. And I thought this is weird because it's actually one of the stepping stones into um, studying to be a medical professional. So I thought if I don't like this, I'm probably not going to like that either. So I decided that I was actually going to drop out. Um, luckily for me, um, on the day that I was going to drop out, I met a friend. Um, he asked me what I was doing. 
I told him I was handing in my coursework, which was an absolute lie. And because um, I felt very embarrassed, like dropping out of university at that time was just like not really heard of. So um, he said, oh, you know, when you hand in this coursework, um, why don't you come with me to my lecture after if you've got a break? And I said, yeah, I've got three hours to my next one. So, yeah, of course. Um, I didn't know what he studied. Didn't, know, didn't really know much about anything. Just got, just was kind of, um, just wanted to know what the next thing was and what he was doing, really. So I followed him to his lecture and he studied civil engineering. And um, I think what drew me in mostly was, number one, the passion of the lecturer. Um, number two, I fell in love with bridge construction and just the, the technicalities of building bridges and the mathematics behind it and all those type of things. And 15 minutes later, I changed degree and university, study civil engineering. Gosh, so the whole, the whole course of your life changed in yeah. 15 minutes. Was it really like the, the sort of... Were you just like completely gripped by what you heard in that lecture? Yeah. So um, obviously most of society knows engineering products and knows engineering infrastructure. But I think when I sat in that lecture, I thought, wow, I did not know there was so much mathematics that went into bridge construction. And I always thought to myself when I'd be driving along with my family, how did they put this bridge in place? Why is it that I never saw them building this bridge? Then I realised in the lecture, they actually do a lot of it overnight. So that's why I never saw it. And it was kind of things like that that really interested me, um, knowing that there's all of these engineering products, infrastructure, et cetera, that I actually don't know about. And then I became really interested in how things were made and how things were put together and at what stage um, it, does it come into contact with the public and how does it actually directly affect us all, you know? And then I realised, um, you know, doctors um, and everyone in the medical professional field actually save lives, save a lot of lives. They say maybe hundreds of lives daily but engineers say billions of lives on a on on any given day and I like to call us kind of like undercover superheroes whereas people know of our infrastructure they know of our products but they don't know who we are and they don't know what we do so now I kind of decided that I was going to spend part of my career as well as well as being a good engineer but to get people to understand what civil engineering is civil engineering is actually the crux of society so I decided that I was going to spend part of my time being an engineer and part of my time um, getting the word about civil engineering out there. Yeah, I mean, it is quite amazing that civil engineering is all around us and we just don't realise it. Um, but for you, what was it like, um, sort of, did it ever occur to you that you were in a minority and did it affect your confidence in some way? Um, I think, yeah, at university, um, there was a decent mix of women to men in our class and in terms of um, racial diversity as well that was quite a good mix but I think what shocked me more was when I went into the world of working and it wasn't the same as university and I thought to myself why like why did I see such a diversity at university but when I've come to the workplace it's not the same and then it was kind of from there it kind of took an attack yeah it took a knock it definitely took a knock on my confidence because I felt so comfortable being such a mixed and diverse environment. So, for example, I live in, I live, I live in London where, um, you know, it's quite diverse. I live in Cornish specifically where it's 55% BAME and et cetera, et cetera. So working in central London and not seeing that direct reflection was very strange to me. And all of my role models um, back at school and back at, back at college, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I went to sixth form, but back at school, back at college, sixth form, whatever, were from a BAME background. So coming into the industry and not seeing those people around me constantly again was just, was very strange. But then I also think it's... I don't where know. did everyone go? Yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm still w wondering where that question is, where do we all go? <laughs> but, um, 
But I think as well, like even with saying that with the lack of diversity in the industry, but I have found that there are people who have been really, really willing to support me. And I've also know I've also found those are groups um, who are uh, representing minority groups or underrepresented groups in general. And those have been really helpful as well. And even having allies in the industry. I've had a lot of white men, white women, et cetera, et cetera, who have really wanted me to succeed in this industry and said my name in places that I've not been in, um, p- alerted with different opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not necessarily about like having a person who directly looks like you to be your mentor or directly looks like you to be your sponsor. It's just someone who is willing to, who sees something in you and is willing to see, is willing to kind of let you go there, if that makes sense. So, yeah. yeah. That's what's so crucial about, mentors and sponsors is that it's not necessarily finding your doppelganger it's really about sort of like just receiving that support and encouragement exactly what do you think makes a good mentor um I think what makes a good mentor is somebody who listens um but also gives practical advice so I remember I had such strange um not really strange I'm a big thing I like to dream big like really big sometimes it can seem a bit um out of touch out of reach I don't know but um for somebody who can see your vision but also puts it into perspective on ways that you can kind of get there within reason makes sense um I kind of make seize your dream so I know a lot of my mentors and we have sessions whereby we do like a writing workshop and they kind of say okay so where do you want to go and, I'm, and I say, you know, I want to be this and that. And I start, you know, glamorizing all of these things. I'm like, but I want it tomorrow. And it's kind of like, um, I mean, you know, that's not, that's not necessarily going to happen tomorrow. But um, it's kind of like giving you the skills, the opportunity, um, even if they have like, uh, like sessions like these as well, where you kind of um, talk about your talk about your roles, talk about your experiences, um, maybe giving their advice on their partial experiences as well. But I think importantly in mentorship, one thing is, I don't know, there's so many important things I think in mentorship that needs to be there. But one of them is it's having like a very down-to-earth relationship. Because I feel like once you have that personal relationship, you can be honest both ways. Um, so that's why I think it's really important in my mentorship relationships anyway, um, to be comfortable speaking to this person about where I want to go. If I can't be comfortable to tell you what I want to do with my career, would it make any sense? Or not just my career, my life, whatever depends what kind of mentorship it is. But um, then... There's just no point. But for me, importantly, is someone who makes me feel comfortable and who can actually see potential in me. I feel like with with women, with women of colour as well, we we find putting our, is it called imposter syndrome? We have like a lot of imposter syndrome. We say we can't do certain things or we don't see ourselves in certain places, but you need someone in your corner going, yes, you can. And because I've had a lot of that in my my career, I feel like it's made me, not big headed, but, (laughs) but it's made me feel good. And it made me feel like I can do things that I thought I couldn't, or I can see myself as I thought I couldn't, even if there's no one directly who looks like me before me. Um, it makes me want to strive more, want to be maybe not the first black, but like, or the first person or whatever, but want to be an inspiration to others. So I think that personal relationship for me is the most important. I think in engineering, it's very important to have a diverse and inclusive workforce because number one, we have a very diverse and inclusive environment on a very basic level. Um, so we need to design for absolutely everybody. Um, there's no such thing as, I don't know, racist infrastructure or, you know, 
ableist you know there's no such thing so I think it's really important to reflect the society that we live in I think that's kind of the number one that's my number one answer we need to reflect the society that we live in so in order to reflect directly the society we live in we need to have representative representation of the people in our society so without that we are designing out a, a certain group of people and I just think that is the main reason why we need diversity in engineering and I think it, it's not even that a specific groups bring um, certain things, but I just think as well, it's just that diversity of thought. Um, people see things in such different ways, which I think is beautiful. And that's what makes the world the most spectacular place that it is, is because everybody's so different and everybody sees different things. No one sees things in a wrong way. It's just a very unique way of seeing things. And I think if we can bring everybody's ideas together, brings everyone's diversity of thought together, we can definitely identify gaps in our in our industry, things that aren't necessarily designed yet. There's so many jobs. One thing about engineering, they always say that there's so many jobs out there or so many um, products, infrastructure, et cetera, that hasn't been made yet. But I think it's because of the lack of diversity of thoughts that we haven't closed those gaps. And also um, engineering is such a world, it's such a global, um, a global career. There are so many things in country. For, for example, people come from different um, different parts of the world to come and work in the UK, for example. There are so many innovations and creativity that's in these countries abroad that actually can be used here and vice versa. So I think to make the world actually, on a very basic level, to make the world a better place and to make people actually understanding of each other. I think engineering does more than just innovation and creativity in terms of products and infrastructure. It's actually a, a good way to help people understand each other and understand why the world works the way it does and how we can build in different countries. A lot of, it's something else I talk a lot about, about how, why countries maybe use a certain material, for example, in, a, in different ways. If we can bring those people together and understand why the property, the property of that certain material works for that country, maybe we could use it here for something else. You know, speaking to you, I, I just see someone who is so badass as a little term I picked up when I was in the US. Um, did you have to develop certain parts of your character to be in such a macho world or have you always been like this? Um, I think I've always been someone who's been quite, um, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say outspoken because I think that makes things sound really negative, but somebody who is passionate, is passionate about what they did. And I've always been told growing up, if I was going to do something, I should always make sure I'm good at it. So um, and I should also make sure I'm good at it and passionate about it and that I'm that I'm really driving for change whilst doing it. So I think it's something that I've kind of had ingrained into me as well. But I think what I've always been told in engineering, which was quite interesting, especially working in construction, is that you need to be thick skinned. Now, I never really understood what that meant. And I still don't really understand what that means, because I think it's very OK to be emotional to feel, I think when people describe people as being emotional, I think it kind of says, kind of says that, oh yeah, you know, they're not going to be good at their job because they're crying all the time. But actually, people who are actually pretty passionate about what they do, they do get upset about certain things. Or and I think it's okay to bring that to work to show people that yes, something has gone wrong. This has affected me, and this is how I'm going to react to it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think you have to be macho to be in engineering or anything those stereotypical things that people are saying. I think it's quite okay to be yourself. And I think I found in engineering as well, when I started to bring more of myself to work, people were very receptive of it. And it was so nice to see that. I remember when I first started my career, I felt like I had to shield myself a little bit 
because I always thought, oh no, the corporate world is very this, it's very that. I wouldn't classify myself as somebody who is corporate. I don't know. But they say, oh, the corporate world is this, the corporate world is that, you have to be a certain way. And it made me feel uncomfortable at work. It actually made me not want to be at work because I felt like I couldn't be myself. But then when I decided that, you know, I am who I am and whoever's going to, he's going to receive that, it's going to receive that. I've actually felt, I've actually enjoyed my job more and felt more comfortable. Even, even to small things like bringing my own culture's food to work, that kind of thing. Like, why should I shield not eating my own food at work? So it's even the little things that you kind of miss. So I think it's really, really important to bring yourself to work and people will receive that sooner or later. Uh, do you know what? I love that so much. And this is exactly why we need women in engineering. Yes. Because, I mean, you know, you're bringing that difference and you're embracing it. What made you put your sort of defences down and just go, do you know what, I'm going to take myself to work? I think I just got very tired. I got tired. I started getting really emotionally drained of like putting on like a new mask or a new facade or just come to, just to come to work. Somewhere I have to be 40 hours per week. I have to pretend to be somebody else. That's another job in itself, you know? Yeah. So, um exactly so it was just kind of like you know what I just really can't be bothered that day and then I think one of the days I walked in I actually forgot to when I go to bed I put my headscarf on I forgot to take off my headscarf that day and um, I went to work and people were like oh your hair looks nice I went you know what actually it does thank you and it was kind of from then I thought you know what people didn't even realize that this was my bed hair (laughs) so I'm just gonna come to work and hope for the best and then I slowly started kind of like it was still a very slow process for me so then um I slowly started to like bring in my own foods and stuff still very conscious of you know um our foods that have a lot they have a lot of smell the ingredients are very different so I kind of said to myself okay I'm gonna bring these things to work but I'm gonna have to start explaining myself on top of it I can't just eat I must explain what I'm eating so um that's when um one good thing that we fantastic thing we had at one of my first jobs we had world foods day so it was so nice for me to kind of have to only explain it once on this world <laughs> foods day. i'll bring my cultural food into work and be like right guys we're explaining this i'm going to explain what this food is and say where it comes from how to make it and i'm only going to do it once and that was only one time because now when i brought it in everybody knew already knew what it was so i think it's really nice when you have that support from your organization as well through things through diversity inclusion initiatives such as world foods day um mm-hmm to kind of make you feel comfortable. So it was kind of like a slow process of that and also meeting other people um, in industry who are focused on diversity and inclusion. So I joined quite a few groups when I first started. Um, so when you meet people who are, who are who kind of have an understanding of who you are and, you know, you just naturally feel more comfortable and you ask them about their, their experiences, how they merge themselves into their job as well. So um, it was kind of using those techniques as well that helped me a lot. Do you know what? I don't want to sound like a victim, but I'm going to sound like a victim. Um, <laughs> when I was in engineering, I just didn't feel like I could explain myself. And you've really switched a light bulb on in my head about what it was that made me feel uncomfortable, which was that I just didn't want to have to explain myself. But if a company embraces the idea of um, encouraging people to tell us, you know, yes then that's brilliant. Like, cause I have always really wondered what corporations can do to encourage more diversity and inclusion. And it is things like that. Like just, you know, having a world food day or, you know, just days where you acknowledge people's uh, holidays and things like that, you know, yes. it's so, because um, it's mind opening, isn't it? 
No, I agree. I agree. I love learning about different cultures and different and different foods and different people. I think people is what is what makes the world go round. Like I love engineering so much because it's how people communicate, communicating with others, explaining things to people, making things work for wider society. I just I just love people so much in terms of the industry kind of thing. I just love people so much and making the world a better place for all types of people. For me, it doesn't matter who you are or what background you've come from. It's just how can I make the world a better place for you? So in your experience then, because, you know, it is, maybe it's not difficult for women to get into engineering these days, but, you know, what advice, if you were mentoring a young woman who's kind of trying to follow in your footsteps, what would be the absolute things that you need to tell her in order to sort of empower her to enter an industry like yours? Um, first and foremost, I'd always say to keep your options open. Um, I think one thing that happened to me when I was at university, I thought I knew it all when I came to the working world. I thought I'd studied civil engineering, so I must know everything already. Um, I must know every little nook and cranny of civil engineering that you can go into. But when I came to the working world, I realised, hold on a minute, actually, there are so many different parts of civil engineering that I still had never heard of. So I think one of them would definitely be to keep your options open. And number two, to speak to people, um, speak to people in all different roles in your organisation, not just necessarily the civil engineering roles, that's what you are, or the engineering roles, that's what you're after, but to understand the different parts of your organisation and to see exactly where you can fit in the skills you can acquire, even if you're not necessarily looking to you know, do another job outside of engineering. Engineering actually encompasses a lot of those skills from the other people's, other people's roles as well. So see what you can learn outside of your job too. Um, another one would be to advocate for yourself. Um, I think visibility is actually very important in our industry. So if you are doing a lot of hard work, you feel like you're not being repaid for it. Sometimes your manager may not notice that if you don't tell him, tell him or her, sorry, I said him, please cut that. If you don't, if you don't tell them, my manager's a man, so I mean, if you don't tell them, they will never know that you're doing all of this work. So, and also to kind of talk about what you're doing and to tell others about what you're doing as well. And I think, um, put yourself forward for certain things. So if you're going to go talking to schools, um, into the colleges, universities, nominate yourself for awards. I, I didn't know you could self-nominate. If I knew that, I would have self-nominated myself so much more. Um, to self-nominate, really get your name out there. It can really help in terms of networking and meeting other people in the industry, opening yourself to various amount of opportunities, even outside of engineering as well. Um, another thing I would say is to keep in contact with your university. If, if the university is the path you've chosen to do engineering, by the way, is to keep in contact with university and to always say thank you. Um, even if you, even if it's not just a university, that could be from anywhere, but to always say thank you to those who have helped you along the way, because it's not just about not burning bridges. It's also gratitude is very important. And I think saying thank you to somebody, I think it's like, it's almost a forgotten art. Like when you leave a job or you finished your time with somebody, you don't just leave them. But if that person's helped you a considerable amount to get to you to where you are today. So it's very important to not to not burn bridges. Um, I think that will be it, actually. Yeah, but my biggest one is to always say thank you. Always, no matter what, say thank you. That really is so lovely. Um, and actually, when you were talking about, um, it's a real combination of like humility and total um, acceptance of who you are. It's like yes. a weird combination of that, because on the one hand, you're dropping the ego saying, 
I've studied all of this, but I don't know anything, humility. But then this idea that kind of around the same time, you were like, do you know what? I'm just going to show up as myself. It's such a powerful cocktail of kind yeah. of uh, strength. I love that. Yeah, it's something that you learn, definitely, especially in engineering as well. Like, because the world, I think people forget as well with engineering, the world changes so quickly. So especially with the upcome of technology, AI, et cetera, things are constantly changing. So, yeah, the books you learned at university written in 1965 probably won't apply. But um, And it's important to kind of keep yourself up to date on the, the recent industry knowledge and, you know, all of these type of things. And especially at work where, where things are working in real time. Well, most companies anyway, where things are working in real time. So and companies are doing things to kind of keep keep themselves up to date as well. They also want their employees to do the same. So, for example, at my organization, we do they're a construction firm. They do a lot of training if you want to learn how to code, which I think is so powerful because that is the future. Mm-hmm. Technology, coding, data analytics, all of that kind of stuff is definitely the future. So I think it's really, really good that our company are not buy. I'm not, I don't want to say buying into it, but buying into it because they know that is the next step for most people. So, yeah. Given that you are such a kind of um, badass, um, how have you dealt, because I'm sure that this has happened to you, how have you dealt with people that are really just wanting to not um, welcome you in? Um, in regards to people not wanting to welcome me in, where, in space where I haven't really felt welcome, um, what I tend to do is showcase my technical expertise. So I always feel like people may think, okay, she um, she probably doesn't know as much as she thinks she does, or she's probably not as good at her job as she thinks she is. But I think for me, I do when I do a lot of them um, speaking engagements, it most te- it most tends to now be about my technical expertise. Um, to showcase people okay I'm not just a good speaker there's nothing wrong with actually doing your job being technically excellent and also showcasing your other skills as well so but I also am very good at my job and there's nothing wrong with that so um, when I walk into spaces I tend to show people that even if I don't know um, the specific um, area that they want me to be involved in I show that I'm willing to learn and if it is an area that I am involved in I tend to show that I'm really good at my job by showcasing my technical expertise and showcasing that I am here because they brought me here for a reason and not because I'm maybe the diversity eye some people may think or whatever else they think of me. But I am good at my job and I am multi-talented and multi-skilled. And there's a number of things that I could bring to this job, even if um, in that instance, I don't know the technical know-how of that job, but I'm my other skills, maybe me being good at communication, me good, me good at building relationships, me being good at public speaking is another reason why I'm here so it's kind of to showcase why I could be here and even if I don't know the knowledge of that area it's the willing the willingness to learn and build those relationships and I think that's why STEM can be so empowering because by studying STEM you are like developing this logic and methodology and uh, you are picking up skills to teach yourself things that you don't know and so when Mm -hmm. people you know, when young people say, um, you know, STEM subjects are so hard and intimidating, um, it's like, yeah, but it really tools you up. Yes. I, but I think um, sometimes when people say that, I think it's just the, 
it's the missing in educate the missing gap in the education system as well so when they when they're teaching stem at university or stem at school or whatever it's usually just the kind of theoretical knowledge you never really do any presentations they're never really real life there's never any real life practical application when you're studying at that point so you don't really see the links and how you can actually use other skills to do that job. You don't just have to be good at maths because like I always say to people, I didn't do maths and physics at A-level. So, and I'm an engineer today and I feel like I'm pretty good at what I do. I feel like hard skills can be learned, but your soft skills are more important on mm-hmm. the job. So when you first meet somebody, you don't regurgitate mathematical formulas. They actually meet the person that you are and how you communicate and how you work as a team. That's the first thing that they'll see, you know? So all of those mathematical formulas and all that kind of stuff is now done on the computer. Hey. So um, <laughs> I think it's really important to get down the soft skills first, definitely. But because at school, it's all the theoretical knowledge and all the contingent, I like to call it contingency stuff. So if the system completely fails, we're going back to the nitty gritty of writing things down and doing the quadratic sequence, all that kind of stuff. But um, like I said before, it's the soft skills that people tend to see first, you know? how you say, how you communicate, how you shake someone's hand, how you say hello, that kind of stuff. I think it's really important in engineering, first and foremost. So I know that you've got an expertise in concrete. Yes. Why did you decide to go into that kind of field? Um, you know, And what kind of impact does it have on the rest of us? So um, I chose to go into concrete when I was at university. So my favourite module at university was Swords and Materials. And within that, we covered concrete. And my lecturer really, really inspired me. She was so passionate about what she did, about concrete, about everything. And I remember sitting there thinking, wow, how can someone be so passionate about concrete? And then now here I am. So um, (laughs) and then I think for me, what kind of made me want to go that much further when I did my dissertation, so I did my dissertation in ultra performance fiber reinforced concrete, which is essentially a concrete with tiny fibers in it. So when this concrete breaks on and um, cracks under pressure, it has these little fibers that kind of build a bridge to hold it together for a bit longer in very basic terms. Um, and I did that, how that behaved in fire conditions. And I was actually inspired by, um, this is going to sound really strange, but I was inspired by a tragedy that happened in central London around the time of me writing my dissertation. Um, there was a, a fire incident with a building and I said to myself hold on how is the structure integrity of this building still there the actual concrete structure was still there but it was the cladding back then and I went hold on concrete is able to withstand fire excellent do my dissertation on that so it was that that made me um, go into concrete and it was actually another thing as well was that how much we don't know about concrete or like the the general society actually may not know about concrete so con- we living in london it's known as being a concrete jungle but i remember sitting there thinking i actually don't know why we use concrete like this what why so when i did further research and did all those other things i remembered how fascinating of the material is and that not all concrete is the same you know concrete we're using a bridge not same concrete we're using a road not same concrete using a tunnel not same concrete using your home and i was like okay but why and what makes it so different what are the properties the physical and the um, mechanical properties that make it so different and why do we need those in different infrastructure? And I thought that's important. I think that is really important for general the general population to know. Most of our infrastructure is made from concrete and I just wanted to kind of share that knowledge and really understand why we use concrete, basically. Very basic understanding of why my passion came from, but I think that's where, that's where the beauty of it comes. Just a basic passion and understanding. Just wanted to know why. Yeah, I mean, you know, as a material, it's 
gosh, why is there that feedback? Test, test. Um, as, as a material, it's just so kind of inert and boring to look at. But actually, when you delve into the, the nitty gritty of yes. it, literally, um, it's, it's so fascinating. Um, Definitely. And I, and I think um, people might think it's a bit more complicated than it actually is. So I remember being at school and doing material science about um, the little atom, little atoms... Um, I don't know how to explain this properly now, but I remember seeing a diagram of different atoms and how they're packed together. Mm. And that's basically how concrete works. The more packed together it is, the stronger the material is. And when I ask, like, you know, what kind of impact does it have on the rest of us? I mean, it's massive because concrete is just used in most construction. There's some scary... Yes. Right? Yes. So that's that's another thing. So how it can impact um, the general population would be that I think concrete is known to be this fantastic material, which it is, I'll never take that away from it, fantastic material. However, it's also known to have really bad effects on the environment. Um, the production of cement actually contributes 8% towards global CO2 emissions. And I think that's really important for people to know. So we need more material scientists, more engineers to combat the use of cement. Like how can we replace um, cement cement with another with another material to make concrete more sustainable is that kind of research I think that is what brings it back to being relatable to people to understand how it's affecting us in terms of sustainability and even though concrete looks like cement they're not the same are they no 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 not inter not interchangeable terms at all so concrete is a finished product where so concrete is made from water cement aggregates aggregates being crushed rock and some sort of admixture and then um cement is just one of the ingredients used to make concrete that's like calling a cake flour yeah exactly so that's that's actually when people ask me about concrete i always liken it to a cake it's it's like baking a cake you put all the ingredients together mix together put it into an oven while well, curing tank in concrete um concrete terms you put it into a curing tank for 28 days you do not bake your cake for 28 days but you put it into a curing tank for 28 days it hopefully reached his um reached his uh, uh desired properties and physical and mechanical properties and bob's your uncle do you know when i listen to you i just hear someone that is so full of self-belief um which is just Thank very you. empowering to listen to like it's it's just you know when you when you hear when you're around someone who has humility but also just really knows their stuff um it can be very uplifting but what Thank are you. you like with failure, for example? Oh, so, um, Paul, I know failure very well. Um, I think it's been a process with age, I must say. Um, I remember when I didn't do well at A-level and I really, it really took a knock to my confidence. Like that really, really affected me um, for a number of years. Even when I decided to go to university, I thought, okay, I'm at university, I should feel better. But I didn't. And I think it's the healing process within yourself and not being too hard on yourself and allowing yourself to kind of have those slip backs and that's okay. Um, for me, failure has been one of the most beautiful things because me failing my A-levels meant that I didn't become a doctor. I actually meant I became an engineer. And I think, again, it's the, it's the age thing. So you see how it affects you, maybe some, some, some failures, maybe a little bit later on. And I think it's important to give yourself time and I still have a lot of healing to go through as well. And in terms of even when I was at university, I missed a first class degree and I was so desperate for it. So sometimes I still beat myself up about it now, three years later. But it's that healing process within yourself and knowing that actually um, 
maybe yes you missed it then but you're achieving in other aspects of your life so maybe why has that that academic failure for me in my instance anyway that academic failure really taking its toll on me when I'm achieving in so other different ways and I think as well it's that, that's where mentors also come in again you know someone who has your corner someone who's supporting you and seeing your career goals so they can actually kind of make you feel more at ease about the failure that you did have or they can say okay maybe you didn't do so well at this but there are these many avenues that you can go down to as well to reach the same point and I think that's very important to have plan a b c and d and z if it's if, if needed you know so giving yourself time and doing that healing within yourself is something that i've learned over the number of years and i think it's a slow process but it's very important to understand it's interesting that you talk about a healing journey because what i hear in you is someone who already has the answer to um those knocks in confidence which is that there is no such thing as failure like they're just sort of learning opportunities. I mean, you've learned yeah. so much from having failed your A-levels. Um, well, not failed, but like didn't get what you were hoping you were. And um, it, it actually nudged you on a different journey. So it's, yes. um, that, that is already a healed behavior that you're taking the goodness out of things that don't quite go to plan. Um, so then another question for you would be, you know, women are so multidimensional, aren't they? I mean, you know, today's women can have a career. They can be juggling a relationship, yep. um, at friends. And then there's also this question of motherhood. What is your yep. sort of like philosophy on juggling all of those things? How are you approaching it? Um, how am I approaching juggling a lot of things? Cool. Um when people talk about time management skills, I don't think I have any of that. So I think it's kind of just, for me, most of my life is kind of to cross that bridge when it gets there. You'll find a method that works for you. Um, so in, in respect to me and my career, I think the number of things that I'm juggling career-wise anyway right now would be doing my job and also finding the time to do the chartership route. Um, and I found that quite difficult and I think that's just because it's maybe maybe a bit of self-doubt maybe a bit of laziness not sure it could be a bit of perfectionism because I think often when we think we're being lazy we're actually just scared to do something because we don't want to do it in no, that's it fear that's the that that's what they use now fear no you're not laziness that's too personal but okay so one of the things I'm currently juggling right now in my career is doing my job and also trying to do the route to meet chartership I think some of the things that are kind of holding me back would be the main one would be fear um fear of not doing it correctly fear of not having the the right skills and expertise for certain attributes you have to meet the fear of asking for more training maybe or the fear of just knowing how much there potentially has to there I potentially have to do in order to meet my end goal of being chartered especially being in an industry for a number of years now I'm assuming there are a number of um, the different skills and expertise that I still require to get to the full way to chartership. And if I lay that out in front of me, it will make it seem bigger than it actually is. So I'll take longer to do more of the process. Maybe I should start it now that I'm saying that. But um, and also that's, that also comes with perfectionism, just wanting to be do things right perfectly first time. Um, 
and that's just not the way the world works you have to do things you have to do do things in the way that works for you so I know a lot of a lot of the powerful women in our industry are also mothers you know they're balancing motherhood coming to site um coming to site every day at 8am um doing 12 hours going home and doing their their motherly duties and I think that is the most powerful thing when I see that on site like I couldn't imagine me who just has to look after myself but there's other people who are looking after them and their children and whenever I speak to them about and they're also chartered by the way so when I speak to them and I say oh you know how do you do it and they said you know what it's all about self-belief and doing it in a way that works for you I know a lot of people put time spans to things and it works for some people but for me it doesn't work for me because it gives me a bit of anxiety I'm like okay well I said I'm going to give myself three years to do something I've now got one year left and I haven't done any of it so I think it's kind of time pace sitting with your mentor having those guidelines in place and understanding that even if you've given yourself three years to do something if you don't do it in those three years there's still more time to do things you know and just giving yourself, being kind, no, that's it, being kind to yourself. Especially if you're juggling a lot of things whilst working, it's being kind to yourself and knowing that even if you set yourself daily goals, that sometimes they won't be met. And that's okay to do that. I've noticed that in talking to lots of different women in STEM, that some of us are further along down the line than, than others in terms of like, um, being able to juggle a lot and it's interesting you talk about some women who are chartered they're doing the job they're also bringing their kids you know they're ticking a lot of boxes and um I don't know what it is but when I was sort of developing my career I just I didn't have the ability to think in a multi-dimensional way like I didn't I just didn't have the capacity to go, you know what, I'm going to develop my career and then I'm going to like find a partner um, and then we're going to have children at the same time. Like, I don't know whether I'm like just an absolute... No, you're not isolated in that thought. No. Okay, because I was like, you know, how come some women are just like, yeah, I'm going to do five things at the same time and it's going to work out and I'm going to have the confidence to ask for that and go for it and all of that. Because when I put myself back in that place where I was choosing, um, I had to be so focused on one thing. And I don't know what makes me different from the women that have managed to juggle. Yeah, I, I, I think that as well sometimes. So I still don't sit down and think I'm going to be a mother and I'm going to do all of these things as well as working to me for me they are very isolated things they're very time consuming jobs final question for you um what's been the one piece of advice that you've used over and over again and is like your go-to thing oh so my one piece of advice is if you don't ask you don't get I remember hearing that my mum used to always say that to me if you don't ask you don't get so if you're needing something and you haven't said anything to anybody, no one will know. And if you do ask, the only answer you can get that's probably negative is no. And nowadays that's by email. So it's not even face-to-face. So if you need something, you want to progress in your career, need some training, think you need some more money, ask for a promotion, et cetera, et cetera, you need to ask. You need to ask. These people aren't mind readers. Um, they're not going to assume that you want these things. They're going to assume that's what you want for your career. You definitely have to ask. Mm, that's awesome so if there are people listening and sort of youngsters who are 
looking to follow in your footsteps, is there anything that you want to say as a sort of like parting few words about getting into civil engineering and pursuing a career in the industry? Um, my parting words would honestly be, if you have an interest, engineering is for you. And if you have an interest in the way the world works and to build up a civilization, then civil engineering is definitely for you. Do you know what? You are so inspiring and Thank it's you. so lovely talking to you. And I feel like I want to go away and sort of like, I don't know, adopt your attitude of like being so yourself at the same time as also being extremely humble. So thank you thank for you. sharing all your experiences with us. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening and please do subscribe to this podcast and maybe even rate and review it if you can. The more ratings and reviews and the more interest from those algorithms which could help to increase the reach of this show. And you can watch the video recording of this conversation on YouTube on my new series called Esteemed. It's all about self-discovery and self-evolution on innovation so as always be kind and loving to yourselves and others and I wish you all a great week.